Father, thank you again for time to worship and worship you, to glorify you, to recognize the chief purpose for which we exist. And I pray this morning that, Father, we would receive from your Spirit the power of your Word. For those, Father, who don't know you, I pray that you would draw them by the power of your Spirit, that they might know you in a real and personal way before this day is over. For those who need hope, I pray a spirit of hope and encouragement upon their hearts. And Lord, for those who are seeking, seeking to know You, seeking purpose, seeking help in a dark time of parenting or relationship or employment, I pray, Lord, that even at this moment, you would wrap your arms around them and strengthen them and encourage them. Let them know that your grace is sufficient, that your peace is made perfect in our weakness. So, Lord, we ask for your favor so that we might glorify you. Open the eyes of our hearts. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be looking at the book of Proverbs today. And uh, Kim Carter, who is uh, the founder of LegacyMoms.org, is going to come up in just a few minutes and share, and then uh, I'm going to conclude the sermon uh, in just a few moments. But as we look at this topic of spiritually investing in our children, I want to remind you of some resources that we have outside. And, and again, on the heroes needed, if God is leading you to consider this, you can check one of those boxes, and if you want to pray or talk with someone about that, just drop that in the offering box uh, or uh, give it outside to someone at the welcome desk. You're welcome to do that. But let me tell you about a couple of resources that are out there. First of all, there's just, and these are just very simple tools. Uh, you probably have something better. If you're already doing them, don't worry about it, but these are tools. If you need help just getting started, a little spiritual assessment of things that, pretty very simplistic things that you can be doing with your child to help them grow in their faith and to develop spiritually. There are even some cards out there that uh, kind of indicate, here's some things that your child ought to know before they kind of go to the next age bracket. So we have those listed out there as well as there's a class going on about that right now. And then there's even a little card on some different resources and books that you might want to read. Uh, and then there's a very, very simple uh, outline of a plan that you could use to get started. Uh, again, these are simple tools. Uh, they're in no way uh, supposed to be infallible uh, in errant Word of God. Okay, that's not what I'm suggesting. But sometimes uh, we just need to see something on paper to begin. And so we're trying to offer that to you and to assist you as you raise your children and as you influence those whom God has put under your care. So with that understanding, uh, as we talk about the issue of parenting uh, it was interesting to me, I read some articles uh, a couple of weeks ago, matter of fact, uh, about parenting. And it was, interesting, uh, it was interesting what I found. It was a survey done by USA Today, uh, and they found the reasons for why people have children. And they're pretty intriguing. Um, the number one reason that people did was so that they might uh, experience happiness and, and, and the joy of having children. But... The very next ring, a close second, was uh, to appease their spouse or partner's wishes. The third most popular reason that people indicated 
was the reason that they had children was because they now had adequate financial resources. I'd like for those people to come up and introduce themselves to me after this is over, by the way. And I'm not really sure what that is um, or what that amount is. Uh, 35% of people just said, hey, it just happened. Wasn't really expecting this. You know, it happens. Uh, the next reason was they wanted someone to care for them when they got old. Good luck. Um, and then the last reason was because they felt pressure from their family. Those were the predominant reasons people decided to have children. Also, it was interesting, uh, on Yahoo News, uh, I won't read the whole article, but it indicated that um, 31% of parents uh, feel like their method of discipline is ineffective, and 45% said they're using their parents' method. They don't really think it's necessarily a good method, but it's just what they do. They just kind of default back to it. You know, the Bible has some things to say about parenting. And it really kind of goes like this. It's really pretty simple. We go back to our key verse, train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he's old, he will not turn or depart from it. Proverbs 22.6. And as we talked about last week, that is not a promise that if you raise your kids in church, they'll be great. You won't have to worry about a thing. We know that's not necessarily true because some of us could give testimony that that's not what's happening right now and we see it from scripture from indicate from different individuals in scripture but here's what we know here's what the bible is transmitting to us in this particular instance that if we will raise our children in the truth of god's word if we will raise them to understand what right and wrong is when they're old they will have that anchor they will use it. We see right here from people who don't even agree with how their parents raised them. They're still going back and using that principle. The real truth of it is surveys tell us uh, that the most important thing is not your method, but that you actually did it, that you actually trained them, that you actually uh, taught them values. And in our case as believers, that we taught them the principles of Scripture of how to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind that we actually do that. That's the imperative. That's the most important. When they're old, they'll reflect about it. They'll be convicted by truth. Now, they may choose to not always adhere to it. They may choose to even rebel, but they will know it. So it's something that we can do. And it's something that we must do. I want to invite Kim Carter to come and share just a couple of minutes with us uh, about some things that you very specifically can do. It's a, it's a pleasure for me to get to come and talk to you a little bit about parenting today because like many of you, I am right in the middle of the trenches of parenting. Is anybody else in the trenches of parenting right now? Yes, uh, my kids are raising their hands, I think. Um, I guess they are, too. Um, I've got a 14-year-old son, an 11-year-old daughter, and a 7-year-old son. So I'm right in the middle of it, like many of you are. And, uh, you know, I, it's amazing to me when we had our children, and I don't know if you experienced this, but 
as soon as the kids were born, the first thing that everybody always wanted to talk about was what got passed down. Whose eyes do they have? What color hair do they have? You know, oh, look, your fingers are longer. Oh, look, look how big his feet are. All those things. Everybody was looking for something from them, you know. And, of course, my side of the family always thought they looked just like them. And my husband's side of the family thought they looked just like him. And, you know, everybody wants to see that, that something is being passed down. And then as they get older and they start to talk and they start to do things, you still see some things being passed down. But that's when you realize that everything good that they do came from you and everything bad they do came from your spouse's side of the family. Right? Am I right? You know, God put in us a desire to want to hand things down to the next generation. And that really is a mandate from Him. We are to pass on our love for the Lord and our wisdom and everything down to our children. And I believe that when we really love our children, which I know we do, that we desire to do that. But what happens for many of us, and I can only speak to how it is as a mom, but I know for us as moms, sometimes we just get real caught up in the day-to-day routine of just trying to get things done. You know, where are the kids supposed to be, and have they eaten a vegetable in the last week, and, you know, do their clothes fit? I mean, we're caught up in so much of the minutia of the day that sometimes we lose our focus and forget what our real purpose is as a parent. So, you know, I, I hope in the short time that I have to talk to you today that I can just inspire you to take a deep breath, step back, and focus on what really is my purpose and what can I do to really get my family going toward that purpose once again. You know, Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9, um, really tells us what our mandate is as parents. And I love the way it reads in the New Living Translation. You must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Anybody have to repeat themselves again and again? Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road. Or you could read that when you're in your suburban, your minivan, right? When you're going to bed and when you're getting up, put little bookends on their day, first thing in the morning, last thing at night. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your foreheads as reminders. A lot of us need reminders, don't we? So do whatever you've got to do. Write them on the door paths of your house and on your gates. We've got to remind ourselves. We've got to remember that this is something we're supposed to be doing pretty much all the time, right? We need to be having these conversations, passing on biblical wisdom to our children. You know, even in Exodus 20, verse 6, God tells us that when we love him and obey his commands, that he's going to lavish his love on us, right? But not just that. He says that he will lavish his love on our children and our grandchildren and great-grandchildren for a thousand generations just for loving him and obeying his commands. You know, the point is we need to understand that what we do now matters. The little things that we're doing day in, day out with our children matter greatly and they're going to impact the future generation. You know, you will pass on something to the next generation. Maybe it's on purpose and maybe it's by default. But the question is, what are we passing on to the next generation? 
You know, everything that we need to know about passing on a godly legacy is found in Scripture. And it's just as valid for us now as it was for generations in the past. You know, his, his word is always truth. But the problem is, if you're like me, and some of you may be, maybe you weren't raised in a Christian home. Maybe you were not taught what biblical parenting really looks like. Maybe for some of you, you've never really even seen what a real, true Christian heritage looks like. What does Christian parenting look like? So a lot of times what we do is we become reactive parents. We, we parent in reaction to our circumstances, in reaction to how we feel that day. Or a lot of times we parent in reaction to how we were parented. You know, usually people tend to go into extremes in parenting. And there's two extremes. We can either get way into the extreme of authoritarianism or way over here in the extreme of permissiveness. And typically, if we don't like or agree with the way we were parented, if we were raised in an authoritarian home, we'll go, okay, I'm going to parent in reaction to that, and I'm going to go way over here, and I'm going to be my child's best friend. This can be part of time every day. Or we do the exact opposite, and we go, I'm going to bring the hammer down. I'm going to be really strict, right? For a long time, most families were falling more in that authoritarian. And now our, our culture has shifted over to the permissiveness. The problem is that it's not healthy for our children, for us to parent in extremes. We've got to find the biblical balance in between that. Let me describe to you how some experts describe authoritarianism or permissiveness because you might hear some things that ring true to you. Here's some words they use to describe an authoritarian home. Harsh, oppressive control, humiliation by total domination, the atmosphere is icy and rigid, the child lives in fear, parents is overbearing, intimidating, or abusive. In the permissive home, the experts say there's an absence of adult leadership and supervision in the home. The child is his own master. The child believes that the world revolves around him, and he often has contempt and disrespect for those closest to him. The home has little structure. Chaos is the norm. The permissive mother is normally the most nervous and frustrated mom on the block. And many times, permissive parents avoid outings because they're just too embarrassed to take their little spitfire out of the house. So like I said, we become reactive parents. But here's the thing. There's good news and bad news when it comes to our legacy. The good news is that you have tremendous power to influence the life of your child. And what's the bad news? The bad news is you have tremendous power to influence the life of your child. You know, we need to understand that the things we do today affect the way our children remember their childhood. And it shapes who they are. And it molds how they see life. So as parents, we have to really get serious to decide, am I going to be a reactive parent or am I going to find a way to parent biblically and balance? You know, the truth is, children thrive in an atmosphere of genuine love and, and support, supported and undergirded 
by reasonable, consistent discipline. There has to be both. You know, in this day and time, there is so much that is vying for our children's hearts and minds. I mean, we really are in a battle with the culture. As parents, we can't just hope that our kids are going to turn out okay and just, you know, maybe I'll just get lucky and get a good one. We can't do that. We have to be really intentional and really look at what we're doing and make some choices. So, you know, we have to understand that the Bible is our go-to place. God is the parenting expert. Not Oprah, not Dr. Phil, not your mom, not Parenting Magazine. So we have to kind of shut that out and go, you know what, I don't care what my parents did or my grandparents did or my neighbor did. I need to really look at what does the Bible say about leaving a biblical legacy. So let me share with you real quick four basic principles that can get you on that road toward leaving a more godly legacy. And these are some things we've done in our family. You know, the first one is be an example of the character traits that you want to see in your child. You know, we have to remember that more is caught than taught. If you want your child to serve others, you serve others. If you want your child to be thankful, are you thankful? If you want your child to have a real, authentic, daily walk with Christ, are they seeing you do that? Are they seeing you live that out? We have to show our kids what that looks like. You know, someone once said, don't worry that your children never listen to you. Worry that they're always watching you. That's when we have to come in and kind of take our own inventory. You know, we have tremendous power to influence simply by the way we live our life in front of our children. The second thing I want to talk to you about is being consistent with rules and consequences. You know, sometimes we think that if our, kil- our children disobey or challenge us that we're doing something wrong. I-, I actually disagree with that. I think that them challenging us is an opportunity for us to train them and put truth in their hearts. So I see it as an opportunity. The more you disobey, the more I can put that wisdom back in you. You know, our kids challenge us because they're, you know, they're smart, even when they're little, and they're asking a question. They're going, okay, first of all, I'm just wondering if the rules from yesterday are still the rules for today. And second of all, who here is going to do something about it if I disobey? That's what they want to know. Are are the rules the same and who's going to do something about it? When we're consistent and clear, we actually give our children security because they know that the line yesterday is the line today. And they also know that they can trust you to be consistent and lead them with authority. If you're not consistent with your rules and the consequences for breaking them, you're actually training your child to disobey you more. Is that a shock to anybody? Sometimes our kids disobey more because if the rules change from day to day, and if they don't know if you're going to do anything about it, every day they're going to have to find out where is the line. So they will cross it. And they will push your buttons and they will push to see how much can I get away with today so they can figure out what's the rules for today. We have to consistently discipline for disobedience and teach our children to respect our authority. You know, if you want your child to accept your values and beliefs when they're older, it is vital that when they are young that we teach them to respect our authority and see their parents as worthy of respect. 
The third thing is this. Be intentional with your own choices. You know, I know we all live in a busy society, and sometimes it's just easier to just make decisions on the fly without really thinking about it. We go, yeah, just go watch that TV show and be quiet. I don't care. Just go do it. Yes, well, let's do that activity, and we'll do this. And yes, you can go to that friend's house. And we make all these decisions without really thinking about, is this taking my family closer to where I want our family to be? Or is it taking us further away? I mean, do we even know what our goals are? We have to really stop and ask ourselves, when we're making decisions that seem small, those small decisions add up, and we have to ask ourselves, what is to be gained from this? If I say yes to this, is this really going to do anything to benefit our family? We have to be proactive instead of reactive. Be careful about making decisions out of fear, fatigue, or frustration. Because a lot of times we say yes or no out of that and not really thinking about our big objective and what we're really trying to do with our families. And finally, be in prayer for your family and journal about your, your goals and your successes and your failures. I cannot tell you how much it helps to just write out what is it I want my family to look like. What character traits do I really want my children to see? You know, it's amazing that when you write them down, you actually have something concrete to focus on, and you can filter all your decisions through that. Is this going to help my child learn this trait or not? You know, parenting is not easy. It takes a lot of hard work. But being a biblical parent and passing on a godly legacy is very difficult. It takes a lot of courage and patience and huge doses of grace and forgiveness. I want to encourage you that when those difficult days come in parenting, and they will, you need to remember that God chose you to be the parents of the children you have. It was not an accident. He specifically chose you to be the parents of those kids because he knew exactly what they needed. And he will equip you to do everything that he has called you to do in their life if you're willing to accept that equipment from him. You know, whether you're just beginning your parenting journey, some of you may just have a new baby, and I've totally overwhelmed you now, and some of you may have grown kids that are just heading out and you're entering a new phase of parenting, I want to encourage you to embrace where you're at in the journey. Enjoy your kids. Make the most of the time. Because if there's one thing that I've learned about parenting, it's that the days are long, but the years are short. And we have to make the most of the time that we're given. God bless you, and thank you for letting me share with you today. Thank you, Kim. So the writer of Proverbs teaches us three things about parenting, I believe, as it helps us to glean and to grant wisdom. That's what the book of Proverbs is all about. Making wise choices, teaching our children to make the right choices. So what are those three? Well, real briefly, let's look. In Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8, Listen, my son, to your father's instruction, and do not forsake 
your mother's teaching. They will be a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. In Proverbs 3.12, the Bible tells us, Because the Lord disciplines those He loves as a father's son delights in him. Because the Lord disciplines those He loves as a father, the son He delights in. Number one, and Kim talked about this, you know, today's society, we have two extremes. We have the authoritarian side, which are the parents who believe that the goal of parenting is to control your child. And then there are those uh, on the permissive side who believe uh, that the greatest thing you can do is give your child a good self-esteem. Now, both of those are important, that we practice behavior modification and that we help our children to have a good self-esteem. But the Bible's not an either-or, it's a both. And the Bible tells us this in chapter 3 and in verse 12, that we are to delight in our child. Our child and our children are to find delight in us. Now, what does that mean? Well, let me just break it down real briefly for you. It simply means this. It means that we believe in our children, and our children know that we believe in them. If we were to kind of make a big jump over to the New Testament in the Greek, we know the word believe is much richer than simply mental acknowledgement from John 3.16 when we believe in Jesus. It's an adherence to, it's a total commitment to, it's an embracing of. That's what believing is. And so is true with our children. For them to find delight and to experience it, they need to know that we believe in them so that we do that by word, by touch, by affirmation, by letting them know. But also the Bible teaches us that it is an imperative that we teach them right from wrong, the Proverbs tells us, that we teach them what is right and what is wrong and that we live by those values. We, we teach them what's right and wrong. We, we discipline them. Now, when we hear that word discipline, what we typically go to is we automatically think of correction, which it's true. And sometimes we'll even go to my father's favorite verse, spare the rod, spoil the child. He didn't know a lot of Scripture, but he knew that one. And he quoted it quite frequently, and he used it quite frequently. And, you know, that's your opinion on corporal punishment. Whether you do or you don't, let me tell you this. The rod, actually the Hebrew word is nusar right there. And it has a specific nuance. And what it actually means is to exercise authority. So to spare authority spoils the child. It's not making a reference necessarily to corporal punishment. That might be how you discipline, and that's fine. I'm not against corporal uh, punishment. I'm sure I'll get an email about that. But nevertheless, um, the reality of it is is that we take authority and that we exercise authority. The word discipline also can be properly translated as coach. To coach our children. To train, to discipline our children in the way that they should go. And when they're old, they'll not depart from it. So, we see it's important that we take authority. We see it's also important that we coach. 
And then we exercise that discipline when they don't live by the values that we're teaching, as Kim described. The importance of exercising the authority so that our children might value what we are teaching. That's exactly what's occurring. Do you value it? Then be consistent and and teach it and exercise authority. Take the energy and the effort and recognize that I may not like you. And we talked about that last week. Just because your child's not liking you for that moment, that minute, that day, that week, that year, doesn't mean that you're not necessarily being a good parent because you might need to exercise authority. You might need to exercise the rod, so to speak. However you do that. And let me say again, for some children, that that may be a pat on the bottom, uh, like my son. But for my daughter, I can say Chloe and look at her strongly and she cries. Okay, so we are all hopefully wise enough to know that it's not the default mode that we always go to. It always means get the belt. And I know you were raised like that. So was I probably. No, let me reverse that. I know I was raised like that and you probably were. But that's not what the Scripture is saying. It's saying do what is necessary to correct your child. Do what is best to coach them, to discipline them. So, come back. Proverbs 22.6 Train up a child in the way that he should go. Discipline them. Teach them as we saw in Proverbs 1.8. Instruct them. If you're ever wondering what those things are, they're listed out there side for you. Go pick up. We've got it for zero to four, five and six, the biblical principles. They're there. Okay, and we've written them out in language that people like me can understand. All right? So we've tried to provide that for you. Train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he's old, he'll remember. He'll have the moral basis. He'll have the moral fiber. They will remember what is correct. They will know. And statistics tell us they'll usually default back to what you taught them even though they think you're a knucklehead, okay? Even though they thought you did a lot of things wrong and even though they fought you every step of the way. Hey, the bottom line is God has given us children so that He might receive glory. And He uses children to help conform us into the image of God. And if we can remember that, when we're going through that bad week, bad year, bad decade, whatever it is, when we can remember that, it can give us a fresh perspective. It can give us hope that God is refining me. He's creating me and making me into His image so that I might be more like Him. Just as He's doing in your child's life as well as you are correcting and discipline. I was actually in the Dominican Republic this week, and I'll conclude with this. And uh, many of us are sponsoring children. As a matter of fact, that's what those children over there. There's a uh, hundred and something children over there that we're sponsoring right now, and many of you are being a part of sponsoring. I'm sponsoring a child there, and I, I was there on a mission trip with World Vision, and I got to see my child. And his name is Danny. And my son picked him because he's the same age as my son. actually born on the same day. And uh, I, I will never forget the encounter. We had been going around and seeing different areas, uh, extreme poverty. 
And I'll never forget, I'm, I'm standing in line to eat lunch, and they say, there's, there's somebody that wants to see you. And I turn around, and this beautiful Haitian, of Haitian descent, we're close to the border, a little boy comes running up to me, and he gives me this big hug. And he can't speak English, but he says, thank you. And it just touched me like you wouldn't believe. And uh, because I give a little token every month that helps provide him with water and clothes and school supplies and things of that nature. And, and I, I thought about it. There's a picture right there of God Almighty to us, of what He's desiring. He's not desiring us to be perfect, to get it all right, to have the, the picture to have the money, to have the job. I mean, he's just looking for us to say thank you. Nothing brings Him more glory than when we bring Him praise. And we can do that through the way that we raise our children by following His principles. We can do that by recognizing that they are gifts from God even when they're driving us crazy. And we do that when we recognize it's the reason that we were created. And everything we have is a gift from God that has been handed to us. And the greatest thing that we can do is to say thank you. And quite frankly, teach our children to do the same. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time together today. I pray, God, that you would help us to leave legacies of faith. Legacies that impact this kingdom that You have placed us in. And Lord, for some of us, that means the children that are in our home right now. It also is inclusive of the children that You've given us influence over their friends, over the classes that You allow us to teach in church. Lord, over children that You have gifted us the opportunity to sponsor. Lord, I pray that we would be found faithful stewards of what You've given us. And everyone in here can make a lot, an impact in the life of a child. Lord, right here in our church, there are children that literally don't have their parents. There are children who are in a single parent home, whose mother or father needs encouragement. There are children right here, Father, who need encouragement and hope. And there are children all over the world. I pray, Lord, that we would not be so consumed with the blessings that You have given us that You've placed in our lives, that we become so consumed that we have no time, we have no energy, we have no passion to make a spiritual investment in the most important gift we've had, been given authority of here on earth. So Lord, I, I pray that we would be faithful. That our thank You would be a great act of service and faithfulness with our children, with the children of this church, with the children of this world that we can impact. So use us so that we bring You glory, so that others see of Your greatness that are drawn to You and drawn to Your kingdom. In Your name I pray. Amen.